Greenberg. Honestly, I don't know what all of the drama's about. I don't know what all the hubbub's about. This happens every damn week in Steelers world. Jeremy Fowler from ESPN joins me now here on the Crowley Show. Fowler, what's going on, man? How's it going, bud? It's going good for me. Is it going good for you? I see you're getting a lot of pushback from Steelers Nation on your latest story on Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, you know, there's, there's a certain strategy you can use, and it's just to not read it all. That's what I choose to do. That's what I like about you, Fowler. You get down to the nitty-gritty, my man. Let me ask you this. How did this all come to be with Le'Veon Bell? If you don't if you don't mind giving us a few trade secrets here, when you started speaking with Le'Veon, I imagine that this wasn't your goal to get him to talk about this. I imagine that you were just talking to Le'Veon, and you had the opportunity to ask some questions, and this came from it. Well, uh, so I went, you know, I went up to Le'Veon just during his, uh, before practice at his locker. And, um, you know, we, I've talked to him a lot in the past and try to get, you know, develop a good conversation with him. And, and he's always had some good insights. So I figured, well, I'd take a crack at, uh, just asking him about the franchise tag process. I mean, he went through a full year of it. He, he bet on himself and he played a full season, which he wanted to do. And so I just wanted to ask him what that was like and then what's next. And so, uh, as I was kind of asking him what his options are, for next year, he basically said, well, you know, I can, they can tag me or I can play a long-term deal or, shoot, I might not even play. And so when he said that, of course, that created a, a trigger for something else. So everything developed from there. Jeremy, I don't really want to talk at this point about the particulars that surround Le'Veon Bell. I kind of want to give the audience a little bit of an education on your job and your job isn't to sensationalize your job is to go in and get stories that are interesting and your job is when a player comes out and says something interesting to follow up on it and then to write something up on it i've seen a lot of people blame you for asking this question at this particular time but when you've got a quote from an all-pro running back saying he might retire I feel like that's incredibly newsworthy, and I don't think that you did anything wrong at all. Yeah, well, yeah, like you said, the, the process is really um, you're trying to really be a conduit between the fans and uh, you know and the players, and, and to report uh, you know in a, in a balanced way on the team. But really, you're looking for. Inside, right? I mean, if you go into a locker room and you ask questions and, and nobody wants to answer them, then people won't get to read about the team they want to. And so, uh, you know, it, it's a very honest locker room, as you know. Uh, and Bell is, is one of the more insightful, honest guys. And given that it is, you know, an all pro and his contract situation is what it is, it's, it's newsworthy all the time. It's not newsworthy only in July and not during the playoffs. So for me, it really wasn't a timing aspect. I was just genuinely curious. Uh, about his mindset on everything. How do you personally deal with blowback, and how much blowback do you get on your average story? Because the people who have been coming at you today and coming at me for defending you are all people with Steelers players or Steelers logos in their avatar, and I'm not disparaging them. I mean, if that's what they care about, that's what they care about. But, I mean, they obviously want to see things through their own lens, and at least this time around, they want to paint any distraction as somebody else's fault other than the player himself. 
Right. Um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's funny with the fans because, um, you know, they just, it's just a different mindset. And, and even players to some extent, uh, don't always realize how the media works or, or what we do. Um, and, and so you kind of have to, just, you know, do the job the best you can and, and try to, uh, you know, you try to build a relationship, uh, a working relationship with, with people you deal with every day, guys like, you know, guard David DeCastro, who won the chief award for the Steelers for dealing with the media. It's, it's a very good, honest locker room. I mean, guys are, you know, they're very secure with the Steelers. They're not really worried necessarily about what they say. And, and the Steelers create um, that drama, but then they also sort of embrace it. And so um, it's sort of an open forum there. And, uh, you know, but really from the fan standpoint, it's, it's, you know, you're trying to provide good information, good coverage, and that's really all you can do. You can't really worry about what's said in that regard. Jeremy Fowler from ESPN joins me here on the Crowley Show. What do you make of Mike Tomlin's quote today where he said, it's not drama to us, it's drama created by you guys when talking about everything that's gone on with the Steelers this year. I think there is some truth to the media cares more about the players in the locker room, but the stuff that's happened this year doesn't scream to me media creation. The stuff that's happened this year has been the team and then the media just takes what the team's given them. Yeah, well, Tom, went through a well-worn answer, and that, that's, that's an old piece of the playbook, right? I mean, to blame the media. Um, and, yeah, I guess I was a little surprised when I saw that, but considering the timing of the game and, um, you know, the, the Steelers want to uh, appear focused, and I think they are focused, and so that was probably the, the clearest way for him to do that. So, um, But it, he typically doesn't take that route. You know, I, was, I guess I was a little surprised to see that because, he himself has said in the past that he wants his players to be open because, you know, he'd rather not micromanage that. And if you say something and, and maybe you wanted to take it back, well, at least that you learn you can kind of compartmentalize that drama a little bit and get past it. You know, one player told me today that I thought it was funny. So when somebody says something stupid in here, we just make fun of them behind the scenes and move on. You know, that's what we <laughs> did with Martavis or whoever, you know, all year with all the stuff that went on. Well, so that's probably the best way to approach it, and that's probably why they're 13-3 in some ways. Yeah, and I want to kind of dig at that a little bit. And Jeremy Fowler from ESPN joins me here. Jeremy's there every day. I'm not there every day, uh, and I don't pretend to be. So, Jeremy, they are 13-3 and despite all this nonsense. And you kind of got to it a little bit there, but what makes this team be able to thrive in the midst of Todd Haley breaking his pelvis and otherwise? <laughs> you know, I think the... The security is part of that. You know, they're, they're, they're not really micromanaged, and it, it, it's a loose atmosphere. And, and, I mean, look, winning six Super Bowls helps in that regard. Um, you go to other buildings, it is different, uh, you know, because maybe the winning hasn't been there. The presence not there. So, you know, there's a sense of calm that, that comes with that. But, it, you know, they have really good players. So that's, that's a big problem. Um, and, and, really, they dropped two games early in the year that they shouldn't have considering how some, well, maybe not Jacksonville, but at least Chicago. Um, you know, this is a supremely talented team, so it really comes down to that. Jeremy Fowler, ESPN, joining me here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Jeremy, when it comes to this game, the Steelers got smoked the first time around. You just referenced it there. What kind of extra motivational factor do you think that there is to that? Obviously, they want to play, win a playoff game one way or another. 
but what have you sensed, what have you heard from the locker room this week that would tell you that, hey, this time's going to be different? You're, you're talking about, I'm sorry, you broke up. You're talking about the Patriots game, or you're talking about no, the playoffs no, in general? No, the, uh, the Jacksonville game. So what about, what about gotcha. this time from the players that they're saying makes you think that it would be different? Well, Ben's hot right now. I mean, that's a big part of it, and, and they know it, and they seem to take security in that. You know, the, the past six games was the average of 325 yards a game, 16 total touchdowns, and so he's going to want to play better. I know he's not necessarily atoning for the Week 5 game. He could care less about the regular season, more about the playoff wins, but he's going to be eager to go at Ramsey and those guys a little bit, but they can play ball control, too, with Le'Veon Bell. And so you know, their attack on Jacksonville's defense, even if it's not a high-scoring game because of how good Jacksonville is on D, um, you know, every weapon is really clicking right now, and Juju's a different guy. Martavis is a different guy. I mean, everything's lined up in that regard, too. Even if you have to win a low-scoring game, you can make enough first downs to get that done. And so, you know, they're eager to play them. They wanted Jacksonville. This is their playoff wish. I mean, you take New England out of it, but um, for now, at least, they were hoping very much that Jacksonville beat Buffalo. And so that's going to probably show on Sunday. Let's put New England back into this because, hey, I'm doing a radio show in Pittsburgh, and the listeners are into that as well. I would imagine the same motivational factors are there for that game that are there in this game, except I feel like the Steelers feel like they got screwed out of the first time. Have you sensed that from these guys as well? Yeah, maybe so, you know, but um, it was two and all that happened in that game, I mean, I think they felt, um, you know, maybe they shouldn't have dropped that one. Okay. Uh, but, An aberration of sorts. Yeah, for sure. But it's, you know, they would have, they were aiming for home field advantage all summer, you know, and then the fact that they might not get it, I, I, there's a slightest chance that Tennessee could get it done uh, on Saturday. But, you know, th- there's a sense that they let that slip and that maybe that could cost them. But, you know, they, they feel like they're more equipped to handle, a, say, a New England on the road. And games like that Jacksonville game in week five helped them get to that point. Jeremy, Le'Veon, and just to go back to the original conversation here, Le'Veon I've always found to be a likable guy, a smart guy, and someone who is measured in his words. And I don't think he's not measured here. I would question why he would come out with it at this time. But there are players in the locker room who are more forthcoming than others. When you're approaching a story, and obviously what the story is would dictate who you talk to, but who are the guys in the locker room that you think are the best quotes? Who are the guys in the locker room that aren't afraid, not to stir it up, but who are the guys in the locker room who aren't afraid to speak their minds in an industry where there are so many players who give the canned response? Well, there are a bunch of them. I mean, Ramon Foster comes to mind, uh, offensive guard. You know, he's really good. All the linemen are pretty much an open book. Uh, defensive linemen, you know, Cam Hayden. Is really good. I mean, he's a bit measured in that regard because he's representing the team a little more than maybe some others. But, I mean, you go around the whole locker room, Marty Burns, uh, Bud Dupree. I mean, Bud Dupree just went off on James Harrison. Marquis Pouncey, um, in the bigger moments, you know, he's, he kind of has run us more respect in the locker room from his fellow players than almost anybody. So when he speaks out, um, players listen. So he's done that with, he did that with the anthem. He did that with James Harrison. 
And so his words resonate as well. It's really Mike Mitchell's been, you know, a quote where he'll, he'll talk and, and like, you know, what he said with, uh, with the way football's changed for defensive players, um, that resonated with a lot of people. And, you know, they were really scintillating quotes. So it, it's really all the way around. It's one of the, the probably most colorful locker rooms you'll find in the league. Jeremy, you've been at this for a long time. What was your first year of, of full-time sports reporting? First year was 2000, well, 2002. I was a uh, student at University of Florida, so I was working, you know, doing internships with papers in the state of Florida, stuff like that. And then full-time, 2004, I was in uh, New Mexico. Albuquerque, New Mexico is my first full-time job out of college. covering yeah. high school sports. Have you experienced anything like this year's Steelers team with everything that's gone on this year? Yeah, it's funny. I, I covered the uh, 2010 Vikings with the Metrodome collapse and the Brett Favre dead spin story, and uh, there, there was a bunch of stuff that year that happened. I, I don't know if it was quite like this. Plus, if you account for the Shazier situation, which is a whole other layer, sure. um, and obviously more serious in tone than some of just the kind of run-of-the-mill drama. Um but that combined with everything else in the anthem, I mean, it, it, it was pretty, it's been a pretty explosive year. I did the 2014 Browns. I was in Cleveland for that. Johnny Manziel and just that collapse at the end of the year. That was pretty entertaining. So I'd probably put Steelers and the Vikings team 1-1-A and, and then the Browns. So those were all three great seasons to cover because there's always something to do. Jeremy, uh, two more things here for you. Uh, first, you mentioned Ryan Shazier. Did you see the GQ piece yesterday on Shazier? I did. What do you think about that? Because to me, I think Ryan Shazier and only Ryan Shazier and his family should be controlling the information that comes out on this one. I I don't think that anybody has a right to this information. Uh, If this information uh, gets out, then it, it, it gets out, I suppose. But I feel like that would be a disservice to him and his family. Yeah, it seems like they're doing that. I mean, it's pretty clear that Shazier has a plan here based on his Instagram post the other day, a picture of himself, you know, at practice. And, um, you know, he, he is letting out the message of he's being encouraging and his whole family has been praying and posting about that on social media. That's sort of been their plan and not to get into the medical side of it, except for the occasional updates, uh, from UPMC. And so, you can't knock him for that. I, I don't think the piece is either. I think the, the piece is more going into the NFL side of things, which is that brings up a bigger question. How much is the NFL, if at all, meddling with the Steelers on how to handle this from a PR standpoint? But that's that's what we don't know. And even if the article brings up a few good points throughout it, um, you know, it's hard to make that leap that the NFL is doing that without – maybe trying to find out or making a few calls. And, and so that, that's what I was trying to find out uh, or, or trying to come to grips with when I was reading that article. Yeah, me too. And my thought process behind that, Jeremy, and Jeremy Fowler, ESPN, joining me here on the Crowley Show, is that the NFL, in my opinion, isn't trying to shut anybody up here. I don't think there's an edict from the league that's saying, don't make this happen. That being said, I'm sure that they're happy that stuff hasn't gone out because I think they want people to focus on football above all else. Uh, Jeremy, I really appreciate the time, man. It was a really good piece on Le'Veon. Uh, good job getting the scoop. Uh, but before I let you go, if you were picking a media basketball team like we've had at training camp the last couple of seasons, who's your first pick? 
First pick. And it can't be you, Um, because you're the best. First pick would be... Let's see, who do we we play with again? Just tell tell everyone it's me. Just tell everyone it's me. Just tell everyone it's me. Well, you know, I'm the tone setter. I'm the tone setter. You do the dirty work. Yeah. You get the rebounds. That means I'm bad. So you would be like my starting uh, off guard. You'd be the the two guard for me. Get that (laughs) down. You've got to work on your shot a little bit. I'll take the two guard, and I've been working on the shot since training camp. So next year, I'll be kicking ass. Thanks for the time, buddy. Really appreciate it. (laughs) Anytime, man. Uh, All right, there he goes, Jeremy Fowler from ESPN, and that was a great interview. We break it down a little bit when we come back. we got Randy Slack at the top of the hour. Come on by. Carson City Saloon, giving stuff away. Dance, baby. Touchdown dance. Best touchdown dance gets signed Steelers memorabilia. You're listening to The Crowley Show.